first of all, tell me about the Chopwell Wood Scheme because it happened many years ago, but it felt like it was a precursor to other initiatives around the country. So one of the pioneering schemes that did begin to link uh, these connections between uh, public health and access to natural areas uh, was conducted at a place called Chopwell Wood on Tyneside. And so this is a part of England with a very proud industrial history, but these days suffering from various uh, levels of so social deprivation and some of the health challenges that come with that. And uh, the Forestry Commission and National Health Service back in 2004 began looking at ways in which connecting people with woodland environments might actually contribute to better health outcomes and found some very strong results with 99% of people who were involved in that scheme and effectively prescribed time outside, uh, they found that it was beneficial to them. And there's been a whole slew of reports and academic studies since then, and indeed some before, which confirm this very strong relationship between how people feel and their health and well-being, their psychological well-being in particular, and access to, to green spaces and green areas, especially those rich in wildlife. And what we've been living through for this last year, of course, has just reinforced that, and also reinforced uh, another level of inequality in the country, because not everybody lives close to a nice woodland or a nice stretch of coast, and people living next to a dual carriageway separating them from a shopping centre and then another dual carriageway with little access to, to green areas, then obviously those benefits are, are much less available to them, especially if they don't have a car. So this, this raises all sorts of, of quite big questions around how we plan for access to nature and to ensure that everybody's got ways in which they, they can enjoy these benefits. I first became aware of the Chopwell Wood Scheme, I read it in one of your books, chapter 10 of this fantastic book called What Has Nature Ever Done For Us? And at the time I felt it was, you were at the cutting edge of what most people are thinking now and the value of nature. Um, and you know, there's lots of new phrases that people are sort of talking about now from regenerative projects to rewilding, but you were talking about this stuff like decades ago. And one particular thing that resonated with me was that, you know, with this scheme, doctors who were seeing patients who needed help with say, anxiety, depression, mild, maybe even heart issues and obviously obesity, mm. rather than saying, you know, you need to exercise more, you need to go to the gym, step mm. out into one of these amazing, beautiful woodlands and just enjoy the, the green space. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much cutting edge and it seemed to work, as you said, the results mm. were amazing. So a lot yeah. of people, went to the gym and, and then mm. decided not to after about you know two or three meetings or two or three sessions mm. whereas people kept going back into these green spaces now when I lived in London I was amazed about how many beautiful parks there are everywhere not so many in Manchester actually and I think that that's something perhaps is lacking in in some of the city centre spots it is indeed, and this is something we need to be building into our planning for the future of the country. Not only how can we find space to build houses, but how can we find space to restore nature, especially nature close to where people live. And there's been some very exciting ideas in circulation during the course of the pandemic about how we invest in nature recovery for the future. 
restoring woodlands, beautiful grasslands, cleaning up our rivers and rewilding some of those river valleys. And evidently, if you look at that public health data, then you are easily making the connection between targeting some of that work to restore nature around the edge of our cities and indeed into the cities. And one idea that's come through is this idea of wild belt. And so around many of our towns and cities across England, we have this green belt, which is green in colour, uh, but often of little wildlife value with poor public access. So what if we targeted some of these uh, ideas that we've now got for expanding tree cover, for restoring wildlife habitat into those areas around the towns and cities and connecting them into the towns and cities along rivers, along canals, along cycle paths to be able to permit more people to be able to enjoy these benefits. That's a fantastically exciting idea. And it's not only one which is about connecting people with nature, it's also got some hard economics linked with it. And there's plenty of studies around showing how it's much cheaper to keep people healthy by having access to green space than it is to pick up the pieces later on uh, with drugs and sometimes expensive medical treatments. So there's, there's a, a good integrated set of outcomes that we could pursue if only we can find the ways of being able to, to, to build these opportunities. And there's some exciting stuff coming through in the Environment Bill, um, which hopefully will enable us to do more of this. So um, as in your position as Chair of Natural England, you know, when we're now talking 2021, you wrote that book in 2013. In fact, I listened to you speak about it at the Hay Festival where you actually signed my book. Um, so you've almost come full circle because Natural England is actually oversees the Chopwell Wood um, environment and others. And I read a report which suggested that the only issue really with this amazing green space is people getting there, people actually getting to these spots. Yeah. And you've highlighted a bit of an issue here, particularly in areas which are so built up, is that, is that we need access to more of those green spaces close by so we can just step outside. Exactly. And uh, there's, there's some very exciting proposals coming through at the moment as this learning and this knowledge begins to connect with decision making. A fantastic example I came across recently for a proposal was from the Nottingham Wild, Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust who are proposing that an area of no longer necessary uh, shopping capacity, we're now shopping more online and this particular shopping centre was, was quite uh, old anyway and the idea that they're putting forward is to remove that old shopping centre and to replace it with woodland in the centre of Nottingham. And so some of these ideas are beginning now to come through into proposals. And as we plan for the future and think about the future of our towns and cities, especially in the wake of the pandemic and the structural shifts that are gonna come with that, whether we might be doing better uh, through creating some of these wild areas right next to where people live and you know, the benefits are becoming increasingly clear. Certainly at Natural England, this is now a big focus of our work, this idea of connecting people with nature. And there are all sorts of reasons why we want to do, might want to do this. And one of them we, we've touched on already, Claire, is this idea uh, of the public health and well-being benefits. But on the other side of this is also the extent to which if we are going to deal with these climate change and nature emergencies, we need to have people who have an emotional and personal connection with the natural world to be able to build that public mandate to do what's needed and the more we spend time in nature we know there's a positive synergy back because then that enables people to, to see what's at stake and then to alter their views and behavior in ways which are more environmentally friendly and so it, there's a whole package there in why we want to connect people with nature 
and the uh, opportunities now at hand, I think are very considerable with, with some of the measures in the Environment Bill for local nature recovery, uh, and also some of the schemes which we're now trialling uh, to be able to make the most of those recovered natural areas through so-called social prescribing. And we're running a pilot at the moment with the National Health Service uh, to look at how it might be possible for GPs to be able to um, be inviting people to spend time in natural areas rather than, for example, taking antidepressant drugs. And so there's, there's a lot uh, to be gained here if we can get this right. And, you know, the good thing at least is that we do have the evidence base. We know this does work. And now finding the ways of, of making it stick really is the task at hand. A final question to you, Tony. Uh, we know that nature benefits us. Does, do we benefit nature? Well, that, that, that's a big question. I mean, if, if, if you look at the, the information we have to hand at the moment about human pressures on, on the environment, on the biosphere, on the climate system, it's truly terrifying. Uh, our population has now reached 7.8 billion globally. Uh, more importantly still than that has been the speed of economic growth across the world over recent decades and the increased consumption of natural resources, land, and energy that's come with that and we've reached the point where people quite rightly are talking about an emergency situation so we do need to uh, change gear on these subjects uh, as a matter of, of some urgency we do have increasingly in different countries including this one some really good policies now the idea of moving to net zero greenhouse gas emissions that's now widely embraced across the spectrum and so is this newer idea, but equally important idea of nature recovery, which is very much the work that we do at Natural England. And uh, I guess one of the, the pennies that's dropped in recent years, which has changed the discourse, is the extent to which we can now see that looking after nature and restoring the environment is not a drag on economic growth. It's not something that works against job creation or the welfare of people. It's actually essential for the future of any kind of economy and any kind of functioning society is to have those supporting uh, services we get from healthy natural systems, whether that's clean water, fresh air, carbon capture, and public health and well-being. We don't get any of those into the future if we don't look after our environment. And I think that penny finally has dropped, which, which is a very welcome thing to see. Tony Juniper, thank you very much. My pleasure.